And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms of apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the opening podcast for Red Side of the Trent. Obviously, it's, um, obviously we're back in the grounds now and we had what was a very special pre-match and brief opening minutes for the match, but ultimately ended the disappointment as Forrest slipped to a 2-1 defeat to what would eventually be 10-man Bournemouth. Uh, um, I guess, obviously, we sort of did touch upon it earlier. Um, the most clearest indicator that Houston would have got that the fans aren't exactly best pleased would have been at full time when, obviously, Forrest had booed off. Uh, it's a typical Forrest day, isn't it? First game in 16 months, you know, first home game, everyone's excited, everyone's buzzing, booed off at the end. Um, obviously, whether that's right or wrong, it's that's up for discussion. But, I mean... Obviously, one of the things I've always found is social media isn't necessarily a reflection on real life. It doesn't be anything, it could be sports, but, um, politics, anything. But that was the first time where it's felt quite aligned. And from my experience, if you lose the fans as a manager, then you're on very borrowed time. So I guess we have to ask the question now, after that, is Chris Hutton actually in any serious danger of being sacked? I think, I think it's still good. I think, I think he's still got time. I think he's on borrowed time now because he had more or less a full season last year. I think I think uh, Lamucci went after five or so games, so you can't say he's not had the time. Yeah, he's not had the transfer window or, or the backing or anything. And obviously, this new uh, regime that's come in with obviously Dave Murphy heading that recruitment uh, part of it uh, and his team. Um, but I think there will be a time and a place where. Uh, we're going to have to change it and Dave Murphy will want to get someone in, in that's on his level of like terms of what they want to do with the team and the recruitment and the style of football and I think this is what Forrest have lacked for, for a long long time and I've said it for ages we've always lacked a philosophy the board and the hierarchy of the club have never come out and actually officially said this is the style of football we want to play we're going to recruit uh, managers and players that will fit this philosophy and this is how we're going to go and we're going to do that and implement it through the entire uh, club and the ethos of everyone that plays 11 aside football so when academy players come up to, to the first team they know exactly what they're doing because they do this at big massive clubs all over the world it's just something that's logical but we've not had that uh, at all uh, and it does shock me but I think we might start being able to go down that road with this new uh, way we're going, but we'll soon we'll soon find out, I guess. And I actually think he's in. Um, I get no pleasure in saying this, but I actually think he's in very serious danger um, of being sacked. I think he got away with a lot of 
drab performance as last year on the basis that there wasn't 25,000 people in the ground at the home games, to be fair. If he'd have won one of these first two games, I would probably say he's, he's bought himself probably 10 games. But I genuinely think if we lose on... I don't think he would get sacked if we were to lose again on Wednesday, but I, I do think we'd look at making a, a change after, at the international break. I actually disagree with all of you in that I don't think he'll be sacked. Either BBC Radio Nottingham or The Mirror or someone, he said that you know we, we're not going to make any hasty knee-jerk decisions it's going to be fought out, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously you can say to a point, this has been fought out, but I reckon what's more likely, and possibly because of financial fair play as well, I'm pretty sure when he signs, he signed a two-year contract. So that would technically expire at the end of this year. So I reckon what is likely to happen is we'll probably ride out this rough batch, maybe get some more players in. And then at the end of the year, if we finish like 15th, which is fairly likely to happen, I don't think it will go down. Um, they'll probably say, Thanks for your efforts. I appreciate you've come into a massive mess. Um, but ultimately, it's not quite what we wanted. Shake hands. Let's move on. And I guess you sort of touched on it earlier. Um, obviously, we've got Blackburn at home and then Stoke away this week. Um, I'm guessing you take four points from that. And snap your arm off for four points. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I'm sure Adam will... Obviously, I'm not putting words into his mouth. I'm sure it, it, it would be the same. I, I'd, I'd snap you off for two. <laughs> At this rate. Get on the board. Get on the board. <laughs> Welcome to the second uh, episode of Red Side of the Trent. I'm your host, Christian Brown. I actually mentioned my name this time. Obviously, uh, since we last spoke, it's been a pretty dismal week from a Forest perspective. Obviously, so we started off on Wednesday with uh, our third 2 1 defeat in succession, just signed to Blackburn Rovers. And then yesterday, we lost 1 0 to Stoke without registering a single shot on target, which leaves the Reds bottom of the table after four games and for the second season running, having lost their first four games of the season. And on Wednesday night, we made the point while we were watching the game that you always thought we'd only score if it was sort of a long-range speculative effort. And then, lo and behold, Zinconagel just picks it up, plays a little pass, picks it up again and thinks, oh, sod it, I'll hit it, and it flies in. And, but you just never really thought that even after we scored, there was, the football just gives you no confidence that you're even going to carve out any chances. Um, and I think for me, that that is a little bit of a worry. And I think it's probably going to take a few more um, signings of Garner's ilk to kind of get us playing uh, that way. Whether whether Chris Hewitt's going to be the man to, to get us playing and carving out chances again, again, I'm not I'm not entirely um, convinced as as a lot aren't. We've only created literally one chance, haven't we, in four games. A Giltes chance, which was for Taylor yeah. at Coventry, and he bagged it. I can't mm. think of another chance we've created for Taylor, and obviously Graben played Wednesday night, where you think, oh, I should have scored that. We, we just, like obviously think... Lee just said with Zinconarkle, it was literally Wednesday night, a bit of magic, hoping for someone to come up with a bit of magic to get us out, get us out of the shit, to be honest. Mm. Again, we, we spoke about it last week. Um, obviously, my view, my personal view, is has definitely changed on whether Houston should still be Forest manager or not. Um, I guess for you, it's pretty much cemented now that you know, this can't go on. It's quite funny that a lot can happen in a week, isn't it, Christian? <laughs> <laughs> it's just the stubbornness for me. It's the fact that, and it's 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 not just us that are suffering. If you look at Bristol, Bristol City, have got Nigel Pearson, who is probably. He achieved his success probably at a similar time as what Chris Hewton did in the Championship. He's been at Bristol City since February and they've not won at home yet. 
I think it's just uh, these managers who have won promotion before, they, they're clearly, I mean, you can't really knock them for it. They're going to stick to what they know works. But I don't understand how such an experienced manager can have 25,000 people booing your every substitution, uh, singing attack, 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 um, all this sort of stuff, and, and just be so stubborn as to not... I mean, surely you can see that... It, I'm just touching on the Blackburn game for, as an example... If he'd have just whipped one of Yates or Cole back off, say, when we were 1-0 down, I think he'd have actually got a lot of respect from the supporters. We need to start breeding a winning mentality into the squad. I think it starts with the manager. Uh, for me, he doesn't fill me with confidence at the moment. Um, I think, I don't know how Colin Frey actually can hold his like tongue almost. I think if I was a journalist sort of thing, I'd be asking him if he actually does, if he likes football to Hewton because he obviously doesn't. He's trying his really best to ruin it. It's meant to be entertaining. It's meant to be fun. Like you get into football to score goals and do great things and whatnot. And he's just not doing that. It's it's horrible to watch. I mean, you guys are season ticket holders. I don't, I, I'm not even one. And, and I find it hard to even listen to. Never mind watch. Yates. I don't want to single him out. Obviously we're going to talk about him, but. I don't want to sing him out in particular because I was very scathing of his performance against Blackburn, which I generally think is as bad as we've seen since the League One days on a personal individual level. With the amount of mistakes he's making, is it even worth keeping him in the team at the minute? Because, I mean, at the minute, you look, OK, fair enough, Hewton's made five changes. Why wasn't Yates one of them? He was the worst player on the pitch against Blackburn. I think the Ryan Yates conundrum is is bizarre. Personal abuse and things like that on social media is vile and it shouldn't happen. And at the end of the day, he's a footballer. If you're critiquing his performance, I don't understand why people have got such a problem with, you know, constructive criticism. Like you say, his performance on Wednesday night was nothing short of woeful. It, it was it was worse than anything I think we saw in League One days. Um, Sammy Klingon used to get pelters in League One for being a <laughs> professional crab because he always went sideways and he always went backwards. His little spin and, as well was a little pirouette there to go. Yes, and for me. It was it was it was way worse than anything we ever saw from Sammy Klingon. While you were setting up this little piece, Christian, I've just gone and had a look. Ryan Yates has now played eighty-six games for Forest. I'm sorry, that eighty-six games. How can we count on probably one hand, maybe a couple of fingers, to be honest, how many games he's actually dictated? And you know, where we finished the game and we thought, bloody hell, he's done really well today. I feel quite bad because I was looking through some old work I'd done um, on Ryan Yates when he first came through. And I actually wrote an article after his first couple of performances saying that he was going to be the, the heir to Chris Cohen's throne. Um, because That's when he first well. win, like you say, he scored those couple of goals against West Brom and he had the good game against Derby. And it's like, hold on a minute, this, this boy might be okay, but... Like I say, 86 games he's played now and he's playing week in, week out and we're getting worse. I mean, is that a... I just don't see a side challenging promotion with Ryan Yates playing every single week in midfield. I mean, his win, I think his win, his win percentage as well, Yates, when he starts, is it, is it like in the 20%? It's bad, yeah. It's, it's not just, And it's not just him, there's others as well. We're not, you know, we can't just pick on him. There's others who are just... For what we need at the minute... We need a leader in the centre of the park. We just haven't got it. Mm. We're going back to really... like Paul McKenna, Ben Watson, that type of player. Next Saturday is the East Midlands derby away at Derby County. And um, we have we actually got a special guest. We have Jason Straw from the Rams Review podcast. So thank you for joining us, Jason. Hope you're keeping well. It's a managerial uh, graveyard, isn't it, this fixture? We've got a week before the game, so we know he might, Hewton might not be in charge at the minute. 
I'm edging towards agreeing with you, Christian. A one nil to Derby or a nil nil. I can't see yeah. there being many goals. Jason saying earlier, Derby don't score many goals. We're allergic to them. Yeah. So, yeah. Derby get two clean sheets. I, I can never predict Derby to keep a clean sheet, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to again. Um, but I don't. I don't see either team winning it. So I'll go. Um, I'll go two two. Oh, nice. We'll take, take two goals. We've kept two clean sheets. That's probably one more than we managed last season. So oh, we're, we're, due, we're, due, we're due to concede. <laughs> Obviously, uh, since we last had a chance to speak, you will. It's been a fairly, it's pretty, pretty busy week for Forest. Uh, they finally got their first point this season, the fifth attempt, with a one all draw in a controversial and feisty East Midlands derby with, um, with Brennan Johnson scoring his first goal for the club. And then the transfer window closed, which saw Forest bring in a number of players uh, on deadline day, as and even some after deadline day, which we'll go into in more great detail later on in the show. To be honest, a better side, I thought, would have probably put us away first half. We was a bit lucky, Derby are where they are. Second half, from a neutral perspective, which I'm not going to get in a Forest Derby game for us, but... I just thought Derby sat back and kind of was part of their own downfall. We obviously pushed on and in the end we got a goal. Roos made a brilliant save from grabbing just before and then Johnson's had one of them efforts where you think as a fan, just get it on target and he got it on target and it squirmed on the Roos. The disappointing thing now for me was we could have then probably pushed him and gone on to win the game. And in the end, we kind of was holding on a little bit. They had a couple of corners in injury time, which was a bit disappointing for me. I'm going to move on uh, to the transfer window because obviously that shuts uh, last Tuesday. The Forest signs uh, Brian Ajada, um, the Paraguayan 21-year-olds. They signed uh, Draga from Olympiacos. We signed Zane Silva on uh, the permanent deal. And since the window shut, we signed Jed Spence on loan. Apparently that paperwork was done in time. And then we also signed Rodrigo Ili or Eli. Ili, we'll go that on a free. So overall, 10 new signings at Forest. Not, not one single um, penny paid for a player over the age of 26. You know, when, you, when you've been linked with imagine nearly £5 million, £4 million, and then you go into a guy who's not made many appearances and you're paying a couple of hundred grand for, yeah, the expectation level is going to go down. It does feel a bit underwhelming. But... We've got to give players a chance first, you know, give them some games and then make your decisions for me. But it shows a bit of progress. Seven out of the 10 are definite improvements on our squad. Xander Silva, Drager, uh, Elior, obviously unknown quantities. I don't really know anything about them. Ojeda as well in that in that category. I just wanted to touch in about the Maranakis thing as, as being their body shop. For me... Him getting Forest into the Premier League is more beneficial than getting Olympiacos into the Champions League because we'll make him so much more money. Yeah, um, absolutely. The, the money that gets into the Premier League is is redonkulous. Um, there's people starving in the world and got no hospitals or school education, but the Premier League's got plenty of money. I know that. So... <laughs> It, it, it's a no-brainer for me if you're a businessman. Forest gets into the Premier League, I see you'll see the money get spent. But what people seem to overlook is that the reason why we only had one enough, one from our key signing was because we kept hold of Brennan Johnson, Joe Worrell, and Alex Myton. In terms of keeping those three reefs, do you think that's arguably better than selling one of them to buy a better squad, or do you think it's 
better to have them around. You know, we saw Burke for a few games and he got sold. A pie was seen for a few games, he got sold. And look at how their careers have gone. I'd like to see Johnson for a season, you know, at least. Forest have three games before we next do a podcast for you, where Forest home to Cardiff City. The Wednesday night, yeah, Forest v Borough at home on the 15th of September. And then finally, we have Huddersfield away on the 18th. It's obviously three big games. Chance now to really sort of kick on and bin this start off. Against two teams who have got two championship managers who've just got a know-how. Warnock will know and McCarthy will know. Their, their message will probably be in the dressing room. Turn the crowd against them and they'll probably buckle. It honestly wouldn't surprise me if we got a point out of them too. If we lose against Cardiff, you know, then you're thinking if Hutton hasn't gone by then, or yeah. whatever, if we lose against Borough, he's gone. Clearly, out of the three, you'd probably say Huddersfield away is one where you'd fancy the most winning. I'll be annoyed if we don't win that game. I expect them to be down at the bottom as well. Absolutely. This season. Yeah. I never like predicting Forest get beat, but 1 0 <laughs> to Cardiff on Saturday against Sunday. Borough, 1 1. And then hopefully by that stage, we might have a change in managing. We'll, we'll nick a win at Huddersfield 1 uh, 0. So shit being a Forest fan, isn't it? Fucking hell. <laughs> well, it was maybe in bottom of the championship yeah. in the 14th state season in the division. Huddersfield, we should be beating. And I'll say now, if we don't, if we come out of these three games with one or two points, then I think it's time to go. It's a quote out. old Claude. But uh, <laughs> I think if we don't win either of the home games, I do think he'll be gone, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's been a pretty eventful two weeks since we last had a chance to speak to you. Forest lost 2-1 at home to Cardiff City. This was then followed by a 2-0 loss at home to Middlesbrough, which brought the curtain down on the Chris Hutton tenure. And then a few days later, all was well again as Forest beat Huddersfield uh, 2-0 away for the first win in the league since Easter Monday, which is quite staggering. We think of this of that really. And it looks like a new manager could be uh, coming in, which we will touch on very shortly. I think we're all in agreement here. After that Borough game, there was no way he could have Last another day into that job. He, he should have gone before the break. I just find the decision baffling, to be honest. I, absolutely baffling from the club because, <laughs> I mean, don't say they've kept him on for another couple of games because they've got a point at Derby. They could have got they could have got rid of him, and then you would have had probably a week where they could have negotiated with. It's looking going to be like Steve Cooper, and then you'd say, "Look, now, nah, Steve, you've got a week to work with these players." I actually think he got too too much time on the basis that we giving them two home games is like a last chance saloon, um, and he went and lost them both at home. I actually think he got too too much time on the basis that we giving them two home games is like a last chance saloon, um, and he went and lost them both at home. He can only blame himself, you know. <laughs> Stephen Reeve's gone there with the same squad he had yesterday and won at a side who was in form. I think Uddersfield were fourth before yesterday. I just thought it was really interesting that a Chris Hutton appointed coach would just completely change it around. I mean, has, has he been on the training ground in Chris Hutton's here to, to actually mix it up? And he's kind of, well, no, because this formation's worked for me in the past, so I'm just going to. I'm just going to keep telling the press that I haven't got the players to play a different formation and, and hope that eventually we go on a little run. I thought Hutton was going to be a good for us, but it's just been really, really disappointing. I think it says a lot when you get players on social media yeah. with subliminal yeah. messages almost. Like So Joey Lolly saying uh, something about great to be back Especially out there with the freedom. freedom. I'm going to believe those leaked uh, WhatsApp messages and if everyone 
believe well, it's from Lyle. True. From like, yeah, yeah. Well, if they, and if they're coming from Lyle Taylor, I, I I completely agree with him. It doesn't even actually bother me that he said something like that about the manager because I think if he's told him to, to his face anyway, what the, what does it matter if everyone else knows? Because if I'd rather you hear that sort of thing because at least you know some people care. And it looks like as if information to be believed that Steve Cooper, the former Swansea manager and England the 17 uh, head coach will be taking forwards at Forest in a head coach capacity. The more I read about it, obviously I know we've got a few conflicting views on this, the more I read about it, the more I think that, you know, it's actually quite a good appointment. All things considered, would you take Cooper at Forest? Are you happy with that if it comes through? I think it's a clever appointment because it's kind of a manager who fits what we need. He's going to play the style that probably suits the squad of players he's going to have for the next three months. The, the positive for me is this seems to be a Dave Murphy-driven appointment. He'll know after watching the first few games of the season, fans aren't going to accept us being sat back every game. In regards to Cooper, he's, he's had a bit had a bit of flack from the Swansea fans, which from the outside looking in, you'd have to say it's quite surprising because they've got two playoff finishes back-to-back. But like I touched on the other day in his group chat, when they've had, you know, some good football on the Brandon Rogers and Roberto Martinez and Michael Larger took him into Europe and they won a cup, won League Cup under him. They, they probably, they're probably not in the same position as Forrest, who've been out of the Premier League for how long we have. This was um, an account on Twitter who said, they're reading a lot about Steve Cooper being really defensive at Swansea and not attractive to watch. Well, the two seasons he was at Swansea, they was the fifth highest for goals scored in the championship. There was the second highest passing total in the attacking third in the championship, obviously. Second lowest number of long balls and sixth five shot total. So all them stats taught you to a manager who's a playoff manager, really. Adam, I know obviously you were leaning more towards Wilder than mm. Cooper what were your reasons for that and are you subsequently happy that Cooper's got the job or are you still like a bit miffed that it isn't going to be Wilder I was very 50-50 because of all the stuff I was reading especially like from, from Swansea fans from articles and then like I stumbled across something about uh, some of his training being like the murder ball kind of thing that we spoke mm. about Bielsa earlier uh, before we started recording um, and how players ended up being quite physically sick because of how much of the running they were doing, but actually coming back and wanting more. And that kind of gives me that whole Billy Davis kind of feel about Steve Cooper in a way. And there's been a few clips of him at least pumping some fists and stuff to the crowd, which, which is always a good thing. We do, we do. We absolutely do. We're, we're, we, we're, we're very gullible um, as Forest fans, but do you know what? It does go a long way of a, of, of a manager showing their appreciation for, away supporters, home supporters, it doesn't matter because it's hard, your hard-earned money at the end of the day that you're going to watch your team. I think with Wilder, because you look at the last five seasons, he's took a Sheffield United side full of uh, journeymen and misfits from League One to the Premier League. You think, well, he's had success. I, I, I get where I come from wanting Wilder, but at the same time, I don't think he fits the Dane Murphy ethos like Reese has already touched on. Um, so... It does stem from that, really. What is your most underrated Nottingham Forest kit? As I said before, I have this theory that whenever we have a nice kit, it's always a bad season. Whenever we have an ugly kit, it's a good season. Adam, we'll start with you for the Brazil kit. What makes you want to go for that? Uh, irony. Um, <laughs> for, how, for how shit we were. Uh, Mexico. It's nothing like this third kit you're wearing, bloody old Christian. It's, it's, like, <laughs> it's like a beacon. 
<laughs> helps Ryan Yates pass the ball forwards, as we said before. Uh, Lee, obviously you went for the, the black and green one. What was your reasoning behind that? The actual wearing that shirt actually gave me one of my funniest memories supporting Forest. So back when that shirt was out, I decided to get it with green in 14 written on the back. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a method in my madness. When I was at when I was at university, I lived with some West Brom fans. Um, so naturally when Forest were miles away and West Brom were in the area, I'd I'd join along and just go and take in a game. So and when I watched Greening play for them, he was absolutely brilliant. So I was convinced that two years down the line playing for Forest under Steve McLaren, he'd still be brilliant. So I thought, yeah, he's gonna be my new favourite player. Of course, that didn't really go according to plan. Um, <laughs> and I always remember we played Coventry away, and I think it was just after McLaren had been sacked. Um Greening played that game and he was absolutely shocking, but it was red hot. So I just had the shirt on with Greening 14. He was probably, it was an absolute disaster class from Greening. And on the way out, there was actually a grown man, probably 20 years my senior, who wanted to fight me for having Greening on the back of my oh shirt. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's always, whenever we see that shirt, my mates will always say, do you remember when that shirt nearly got you beat up at Coventry away? <laughs> so, yeah, that probably should put me off it for life. But no, it, it just always tickles me every time I think back to that that day at the Rico Arena. What a difference a week makes in the, in the world of football and the world of Nottingham Forest. Last week, the Steve Cooper regime officially kicked off for a one-all draw at home to Millwall. The managers don't lose their first games. Forest then defeated Barnsley 3-1 and then beat Birmingham City yesterday three goals to nil. Everyone's, like I said, everyone's really positive again. It's just like, you know, I guess it was so nice as well to see all the fans in the game go, we've got our forest back. So, yeah, I mean, like, things like this just go a long way. It's just all round good. I don't really know what to say. It's a bit weird rather than moaning. <laughs> it's bizarre, isn't it? Like, obviously, we spent the first well, three pods, before, even, even the fourth pod, really, sort of like tearing our hair out and saying, look, look these players aren't bad players. We've, we know they're good players. We even said several times as well. I know I've certainly said so that. Whoever comes in you know, has got a gift, really, of these, this, this group of players. Under Hewton, I, I think I speak for most, I just did not see where we were going apart from down. It seems more exciting at the moment under Cooper. I hope it does continue because I think, again, a lot more supporters are getting that bug back for Nottingham Forest of the club that they love instead of like Nottingham Forest, a club that they loathe, but they have to go and see because... We're all Nottingham Forest supporters. We can't change our club. We're basking in positivity as Forest have won again. We had Forest are back in front of their home fans at City Grounds and managed to get the first win in front of fans since February 2020 against Leeds when they defeated Blackpool 2-1 at home. Forest managed to avoid a Halloween trick when they snatched a last gasp equaliser against Queen's Park Rangers. However, it did come on the back of a 4-0 thumping at home to Fulham which was a truly remarkable 2-1 victory against Bristol City. They were milliseconds away from securing their first home win in about, since February, their first home win under Pearson. And then <laughs> up step Lyle Taylor. The only disappointing <laughs> thing was to me, because um, I, was, I was watching it on the red button, and me and my partner seen it went 1-1. And then I looked at her and I, I, she kind of gave me that, that face. And I was like, don't tell me they've gone down the fucking other end and scored. And she was like, no, we have. We actually earlier, Ryan Yates, um, it was his ball to Spence that won the penalty, a forward ball as well. Adam, I know you've been a fan of his part. I mean, I mean, I'll take full credit. I mean, this is someone that has 
not really the cause the buyer's an opinion, but really, we're being brutally honest. Under the last two managers, on the last 70 games for this season, it hasn't really been good enough for Nottingham Forest. But ever since Steve Cooper's come in, it's not, he was my man of the match against Cooper. He was absolutely brilliant. He was winning tackles. He was getting forward. He was playing the right balls. You know, he was doing everything you'd want a central midfielder to do. So has he been criminally misused for the last two years? Have we been too harsh? Or is it just a case of someone just found a way to unlock him at the best out of him? I think a combination of all three you just said, Christian. And then when Martin O'Neill brought him in, he st- I think he scored in the first two games, maybe. And I thought... Oh, West Brom, didn't he? Yeah. yeah and, and then I think he scored against someone else. And I was like, telling everyone, I was like, I told you, look how good this kid is. Look how good he is. And then like about five games later, I went, fucking hell, he's awful. Like, what was I on about? <laughs> like, and I know that's really quick turnaround sort of thing, but it was like, all the time, like how bad he was. And even like one of my mates who hadn't really seen for us, he went, who is that Yates in centre mid? He is dog shit. And I was like, I, I know, I was like, I think I got it wrong. But may- maybe we've been misusing him. Steve Cooper's actually put a com- put arm around his shoulder and go, look, I think you are this. You can do this. You are a good player. I want you to do this a bit more. And maybe he's just like took that on board and tried it. And then obviously his confidence has got up because he's, he played like a no look 35 yard diag to Johnson. Oh, God, and me and Reese nearly about yeah. fell over. It was un- it was like the best pass I've ever seen that didn't lead to a goal. Lee, you, you've obviously been a good, a big fan of Colback. Do you think his shirt's pretty safe now after the last few games? I was actually having a discussion with uh, one of the lads I go to the games with last night, and I was saying that um, it's actually got to the point where I think I'd maybe send Garner back, as controversial as that might be. Long may it continue. I mean, if Yates, we've still not got to forget he has been shit for sixty odd games, seventy games for Forest. But if he's like this. Come May, then they're fucks to him. No, what I mean, what a week it's been for Nottingham Forest Football Club. They played Sheffield United on the Tuesday and got left with one all draw, and then they followed that up with an absolute thumping of Preston North Ends by beating them three goals to nil. How much of a loss would Jed Spence be if he was to go back in January? Huge loss because <laughs> at the minute we ain't got nobody to replace him. It'd be a, it'd be a, ma- a massive loss if there was to recall him. Um, Oh, I think I... in typical, sorry, Christian, in typical Twitter, Boris meltdown fashion, Chris Wilder being at the game yesterday means that he is 100% going back to Middlesbrough. <laughs> How much would you value in that? It's all because I know you mentioned about the contract preserving his value. I think it was more, mm. I don't think it was a long term thing in mind. I think it was to preserve his value because he's out of contract yeah. this summer. Given how he's played this year, given how perfectly suited he is to that right wing back role. And as football, as modern football progresses, where wingbacks become more important, he's going to be his value is only going to rise. I would say at least four million. Matty Cash got put at right back because we were struggling for right backs, and then obviously turned into a sixteen million a Polish Cafu. Spencer's been playing there. I would say majority of his playing career so far. So, on on the basis of what he's doing this season and his potential, you could probably say he's at least equal to Cash, and he's younger. It's been an interesting week for Forest. Um, we got a nil a nil draw away at West Brom, which again is interesting in the fact that Forest came away from it potentially disappointed. It was only just a one point, but that came on the back of a very battling display at the City Crowns with a uh, with a draw with Luton Town. And who, who hasn't made football look a hard job in recent weeks is James Garner. It seems like he's finally shaken off that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer pre-season. Actually looks like the player that we had for last year. Adam, what have you made of his little revival? It looks like he's actually 
wanting to fight for his shirt because a lot of people I think question that um, obviously someone who's come from a club like Man United you probably think well they might not be so bothered because they can get another loan fine and I thought what some Garner's revival back up was um, was a point where the ball got given away and I can't remember what, what West Brom player had it but Garner sprinted past Bong and got there and put a great challenge in on him and won the ball back and you just thought this is the Garner we had last season who was running everywhere, fighting for the ball. And and you know what? His, his technical ability is, is you can't doubt it because he it is class. He's got a really good range of passing. Um, he's very calm. He takes his time. He puts his foot on the ball. And, and he's someone that we've missed in centre midfield because I wouldn't say we've got a lot of playmakers. Hello, welcome to the 11th instalment of Redside the Trent. And we've got some great positivity for you. As Forrest managed, managed to win two games since we last managed to speak to you. Uh, we had a very convincing 4-1 victory away at Swansea. And before that was a 2-0 win over Peterborough United. The result leaves Forrest in eighth, just four points off the playoffs. I, I'm a big believer that certain people suit certain football clubs and at the moment, it just everything points to Steve Cooper being absolutely tailor-made to manage this football club. If we can get the home form good and the city ground rocking, because it can be a fortress. You look at it under Billy Davis at one point. We we didn't. I don't. Think, I can't remember. Was getting beat that many times under him. So if it can happen under Cooper, we're we're in for for a nice end to the season and maybe a a bit of a roller coaster ride in the playoffs. Hopefully. It's very much, yeah, obviously it's... Forrest managed to give their fans a very timely and welcome Christmas present as they came from behind to defeat Hull City 2-1, which leaves the Reds amazingly one point off the playoffs. Ryan Yates at the minute, so for the second game in succession, he played at centre-back and took to it like a duck to water race. To be honest, what I've seen, you know, and this is only going on one game, so I don't like to make judgments on one game because that is something what a lot of fans like to do he just looked more even more comfortable than his natural position to me it allowed McKenna and Worrell to split and go to the right and the left um, and he was in the centre he could bring the ball out more and it allowed Spence and when Tutu started they was pretty much playing as wingers you know the early days of this podcast we were all rightly critical of Ryan Yates in my opinion um, amongst a load of other players who've gone on under Cooper, who've completely changed, you know, the perce- people's perceptions of them. But you know, there's there's no never any agenda from me. I'll ask, always say it as I see it personally. And at the minute, you know, the fifteen games, fifteen sixteen games he's had under Cooper, he's been tremendous. And you know, credit to him. And if he's playing well for Nottingham Forest, then. I'm absolutely delighted. Player of the season so far for me, there's only one person, that's Scott McKenna. He's just very calm and collective, heads and kicks it. And if he can bring the ball out from the back, he does it with a bit of panache. I I gave up on trying to get him a call up because they seem to like Grant Hanley and Scott McTominay, (laughs) they've sent the midfielder to Manchester United. It's fucking stupid. We have Middlesbrough away on Boxing Day. And then we have Huddersfield at home on the 30th of December, I believe. Huddersfield, I, I think that we could we can put them to the sword, really. I think we could give them an, another a Swansea kind of scoreline, 4-1, 5-1 maybe even, would be nice. I, I generally think that. I don't think they're that good. 
They've just got this foreign manager who sounds a bit fancy. He's, he's a fraud. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it out there. We are a better side than than a lot of these teams in this league at the moment. It's, it's evident we're top of it and form. Yeah. So why should we not beat teams like Uddersfield? Hashtag 4-5-1, 4-5-0. That is the most optimistic, I think, anyone's ever, ever had said on this podcast. Yeah. Put that in the clip. <laughs> no Huddersfield fans listen to this podcast because that is if we got beat by <laughs> you've just done their team talk for us. <laughs> Happy New Year too, as we enter twenty twenty two, although not in the way we would like as the festive periods or post Christmas anyway turned out to be a bit disappointing for Lightning Forest, who succumbed to back to back defeats. Firstly a two nil away loss at Middlesbrough. And then a very, very annoying 1-0 home defeat to Huddersfield. Firstly, I'm, I'm not going to apologise for what I said. January window has opened, officially. Within 24 hours of the window opening, a signing was made. Uh, Keenan Davis checked in on loan from Aston Villa. The six-foot-three striker doesn't have the most enviable goal record of just three goals in 73 games. His, his goal record, going, going back to Davis, isn't the best. My hope for him is he can do what Taylor can't do, and that is hold the ball up and late on bring, you know, the likes of Johnson, who always plays the 90 minutes, and whoever else is on the other wing, you know, to get them in behind sides and punish sides late on in the game. So, yeah, we'll wait and see. Yeah, Cooper, I've seen Cooper said he's tracked him for a few seasons, so someone who Cooper obviously likes. It seems that Forrest were quite close to signing Steve Cook from Bournemouth, a 30-year-old defender, which somewhat goes against Dane Murphy's policy of signing players over the age of 26. Um, Adam, this isn't really something you're too infused by. It was a bit of out of the blue, really, uh, going for someone like Steve Cook, because I'm pretty sure he was playing most weeks for Bournemouth. I, I appreciate that he's played in the Premier League, got lots of experience as a leader, um, done it, been there, got the T-shirt and everything. But he's going to cost a lot of money, I would expect, in terms of wages. So does that mean that we're moving someone on? I'm on the fence of it. I do lean more towards a no, unless there's all this other information that I would like to know comes out. And then it's like, well, yeah, all right, then. fair enough. But I, I just can't see him accepting wages that we can really afford to spend, afford to pay when we've got other areas to worry about. Lee, you think it's good? You think it's sensible signing? I actually thought he was older than what he is. Um, I don't think 30 is a bad age to, to go into our squad. He does lack some kind of players who have been there and done it in this division. You can say that Worrell's experienced at this level, but is he a real leader? Does he know what it takes to get out of the division? Probably not. Scott McKenna's another one, always 8 out of 10. Again, is he capable of, of knowing what it takes to get out of the division? Probably not. I think what it does tell you as well is that Cooper doesn't particularly like playing 4-2-3-1. He's a very clever man, Steve Cooper, is, and he will know that his team has not been anywhere near as efficient going forward when we play four at the back. Signing Cook will allow him to to utilise his favoured system more often than not. And I think sticking him in the middle of Worrell and McKenna, it, it could be something of a masterstroke. We'll have three games before we come back to you next. Barnsley at home in the league. Arsenal at home in the FA Cup and then Millwall away in the league. Hello and welcome to the 14th edition of Red Side of Trent. And once again, we're glad to say we're brimming with positivity as Forrest entered the year of 2022 in emphatic style, firstly defeating Arsenal in the FA Cup to progress to the fourth round. And then yesterday taking a valuable 1-0 win away at Millwall with a goal in a 90-second minute. We'll start with the Millwall game. That's a pretty big win for Forrest. I mean, we all know how tough the Den is to go to. And- it seems like Gary Rowett forgot that he had a certain 
uh, Matt Smith on the bench, who seems to always be uh, a troublesome striker for for Forest defences. You just can't fault the spirit of the side at the moment. And this is what I like about Steve Cooper and what he's done for Forest fans is we don't settle for a draw. Um, we're, we're not happy with a draw. We, we've got we've installed this winning mentality at the club, which has been lost for a long, long time. I think even under Lamucci, we weren't really like complete and utter winners. But we are a side that just does not settle for par below like well, average. We're 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 above that. We're we're trying to install that mentality, winning mentality, and. Bloody hell, it's really good to be a part of, isn't it? We are going to talk about that Arsenal win now. I know it's, it's very dark kind of thing, but, you know, it was a cold Sunday night, wasn't it? And I don't think Arsenal just, I just didn't think they wanted, was up for the fight. This podcast does come at a somewhat negative point to start with, as far as we've just lost 2-1 away at Cardiff City. What's more frustrating is that it came on the back of two very good wins, a 3-0 home win against Barnsley and, of course, a 2-1 East Midlands uh, victory against Derby. Forest just lost 2-1 to Cardiff. Potentially the worst performance of the season. I would go as far as saying that that was up there with anything, any of the dross that we got from the Houston era. It's perhaps important to, now we've taken a bit of time to step back and go, it's, it's what, the third or fourth loss on the Cooper in 21 games. It's clearly a bit of a one-off. Take on the chin and move on. I've I've called for calm uh, on all all accounts, especially from you, Christian, because your head royally fell off. I just think we need to dust ourselves off, uh, take it as a bad day at the office. That's the standards Cooper set. That's the standards Cooper set. Anti that with one three nil at home, which before the game you just snap someone's hand off for, and then we're a bit disgruntled by it. That's what I like about Cooper. You know, he's not people are people are just happy at getting to a level, whereas him. It's like, right, we've got to this level now. What can we do to get better and better and keep pushing forwards and take my hat off to him? So we've got FA Cup action, Leicester City at home, followed by Blackburn away and then Stoke at home. Hello and welcome to pod number 16 of Red Side of the Trent and Valentine's weekend. And love is very much in the air for Forest and their fans, having just snatched a draw from the jaws of defeat against Stoke City when that came on the back of... A fantastic win away at Blackburn Rovers. And that came on the back of an unbelievable win in the FA Cup against the holders Leicester City. Keenan Davis typified that end-to-end stuff because he was, you know, his bulldozing run for the for the James Garner goal was, you know, I think he went down, didn't he, halfway through it and got back up and managed to lay Garner and you know, you know, his uh, bit of quality did the rest brilliant finish from from him. But we kind of seen why some fans really, when we brought him in, Davis, why he wasn't, you know, his record too uh, keen on the signing because the chance he had at the end of the first half, you know, he did all the hard work and then you're just thinking, hit the target, either side of the keeper makes it 2-0 when he's smashed it over the bar. So, you, but it goes back to what I kind of said when we signed him, he is... I don't think he's a prolific goal scorer like Lewis Graben is. Mm. I just think he's a central focus of that forward three where he will hold the ball up, his runs will bring others into play um, and they'll probably reap the benefits more of them scoring than him. But yeah, he's, he's looked really good. You mentioned him earlier again, Reece, uh, James Garner. Gar- the composure for his goal against Blackburn was just phenomenal 
and once again like the way he, he the way he's inconsistently starting to run the midfield you know he's looking a serious serious talent we're gonna have a hard problem replacing him next year last i'd say 10 to 12 games now he's just looked to me his composure on the ball we mentioned it in the derby game didn't we that's mm. the one i'm thinking of his composure on the ball his box to box his dead ball delivery's got a lot better i think i mean he's 20 years of age and you know, Manchester United don't are not really going to give you new deals at 20 if they don't think you're any decent. I do think probably his next step, whether that's with us or whoever, will probably be in the Premier League. I do think probably United will do what they did this year with him and look at him pre-season. And then the problem isn't it for these top six clubs is Manchester United will probably go out and look at trying to buy Declan Rice or ex-CDM midfielder, box-to-box midfielder for however many million. So mm. if he's if he's like not um, going to probably play it a lot for him next year, I do think they'll probably loan him out to a Premier League team then. Um, and if it isn't with us, it will still be nice to see him progress because he's definitely a talent for sure. I can remember when, when Chris Hewton left and without sounding like a clever ass. I knew, I knew Steve Cooper was getting the job. And I couldn't, and like, it was a, I was I was kind of like saying, you know, Steve Cooper's the leading. And like every, well, not every tweet, but it wasn't, it wasn't greeted with like great enthusiasm. There was a lot of, there's a lot of, can't we get, why can't we get Chris Wilder, you know? And, you know, and it's just, I mean, when you look back, it's just, I mean, the, he, he has transformed the place. I, I, I love listening to him. Just love the work, you know, he's everything that I think Forrest needed as a manager and the fans wanted. And, you know, I, I just, let's hope he's with us for, you know, there'll be a time where basically we probably have a dip. I just basically hope that, you know, we're all the, I'm sure they will as well. I think all the fans, you know, stay with him. And I, I hope he's our manager for a long time because I, I think he's the real deal. Like they should have given Brennan a much, I don't think maybe they knew how good Brennan was going to be so quickly. Like Chris Hewton didn't even... Christian didn't think he was ready for this season. And we've got our predictions. So we've got three rather tricky games. Um, obviously, we start with Bournemouth away, which is on Friday night on Sky. Then we've got Preston away, which is a Tuesday or Wednesday following. I can't remember which. That's also on Sky, though, the red button. And then we've got Bristol City at home, which is Saturday, 3 o'clock. So if you want to watch that, you have to be down at the city ground to watch it. The Forest have claimed four points from their possible six out of the two fixtures they had on hand to them. The first was a 0-0 draw with Preston at Deepdale. And the second was a 2-0 victory over Bristol City. What did the trust say about a Bournemouth game, for example, when fans are there at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and they haven't said a word? When have the, the, the trust pushed on? The training grounds. When have the trusts pushed on the sanitation developments? When have the trusts pushed to get hot water back in the toilets at city ground because it's just cold and taps don't work? You never. All they say is, "Oh, but we spoke to Randall once." It's like, yeah, with pre-approved questions. Put your money towards a program. Put your money towards pre-match pint, whatever. You'll you're better off spending it that way, or even fucking burning it than giving it to trust because they're useless. They are completely and utterly fucking useless. Like, that, um, that's me being polite. And the Bournemouth game, or the Barkle that came from that, was a perfect example of that because they should have been there banging a drum early doors and said, look, it's a red um, weather warning. Don't bother going. It's going to get postponed. We'll do something about it. Not a single peep from them the whole weekend. Like, obviously, on the one hand, you can say, yeah, it's stupid. You're taking, you're taking a huge risk traveling down in 70 mile an hour winds, of course. On the other hand, 
they haven't had any indication that it's not going to be postponed. I personally think they don't really... Yeah, they're inviting fans to these forums, but they're not going to allow people to ask hard questions. Like, no, can you won't. imagine? I, I would like to see a fan forum where you've got maybe Nick Randall there, yeah, with Steve Cooper and Dane Murphy, and you say to him, "If we do not go up, does this bloke have a job at the end of it?" Right, and I don't care that he sat there. Give him reassurances because then, like, it's it almost like you know what you're building towards, you know what you want to do. There's a plan. There's a clear execution of where we're going to go within the playing squad and everything else because we know full well. Every one of us, whoever's listening, but if you're not listening, it doesn't matter. We know that if we do not go up, half of this team is going. But are the club going to answer it if a fan like us come and ask it? And I don't think they would. I never hear of like the average Joe on Twitter who is a diehard Forest fan and puts their hard-earned money into the club going home and away. They're, they're not going to invite them because they will ask the hard question. You imagine asking someone who goes home and away. They will not get invited to that. And they're the, probably the people that should get First priority. Hello and welcome to pod 18 of Red Side of the Trade. We're racking them up now. And we come in particularly buoyant mood as Forest have, well, <laughs> had a fantastic week. So it started off yesterday with a uh, thumping 4-0 victory over relegation threatened Reading, which very much put them back into the playoff picture. That came on the back of a 2-1 home victory against Huddersfield in the FA Cup, which means Forest are now in the quarterfinals the world's best cup competition and that came on the back of a one draw at Sheffield United which came in the last minute and was the very least that we deserved. I don't remember a season where we've had so many lone players actually look like they genuinely give a toss about the club. You know like them days of Lamucci of crumbling you know in the last minute we're the side now who makes other who takes points off other teams so you know Long may continue. You look, you're looking forward to every game. I, I can't wait now till Wednesday because it's, it's a massive game Wednesday. You know, Definitely. obviously QPR, QPR winning today. I'm just looking forward to end the game because you know we're into the running now, the business end of the season, and yeah, keep the games coming to confess. It's been a very interesting uh, last few weeks, obviously. So we had the Liverpool FA Cup quarter final, which Forest lost one nil. And before that, we had a thumping, a very important as well, 3-1 win over playoff chasing QPR under the lights at City Grounds. That one where <laughs> Johnson's put the ball on a sixpence was in Canagle, pretty much with half an open goal to aim at. Uh, I mean, <laughs> obviously you can't pin a moment as such on a game, but I do think that was the turning point of the match because of for obvious reasons. I mean, I mean, what was your take on the miss? I think you're right, really, because that probably was the moment, wasn't it? Um, and then, you know, a few minutes later, you won nil down. Um, I just went, I thought he just went with his wrong foot, to be honest. It, and it, it was just a bit of a strange kind of finish. And, you know, he probably should have let it come across his body and smack him with his left foot. He probably would have got a cleaner contact. But it's always, you know, as a football fan, it's always easy when you're watching a video. Spencer's picked up 25 yards and I mean we couldn't have got a better view for it because it was right behind it. It's just it's rocketed in the top corner. I mean fair play to, to Jed Spencer having the confidence to just unleash but that is a banger. We, we've just, just got to keep it going really, keep, keep that momentum uh, but yeah we are mentality beasts at the moment. We just keep going and going and going and 
And if we if we're gonna we've got to do that now, the last ten games are massive. It's gonna be ten cup finals to get into the playoffs. And I'm I'm extremely excited for it. This week has been a phenomenal week after international break. Three wins in a row. We had a, a fun time at the seaside at Blackpool, winning four goals to one, followed by two two nil home wins against Birmingham City and Coventry City, uh, respectively. Like Christian's just said, Brennan Johnson. 25 million. I think if he had two or three years on his contract, I think you could probably push it towards 30. Uh, um, and you can use that as my soundbite. I don't care. I think he's that good. It's been a very productive week for Forrest, where he's taken six points from possible nine. Uh, first off was a harsh 1-0 defeat away at Luton, but we bounced back very quickly with a thumping 4-0 victory over West Bromwich Albion, which was topped off by a 1-0 victory over Peterborough United. That result now means that barring an improbable 21-goal swing, and even by Forest standard, that's very improbable, Forest will be in the top six come the end of the season. We were very, we were also treated, of course, to uh, Jack Goldback. Jack Goldback? Jack Goldback's <laughs> goalless season contender. Lee, obviously, I know we're both big fans of Goldback. Well, Goldback does have a good ring to it, to be fair. Do you think he meant it? Yeah, I mean, I must give credit to the lad I sit next to at the match because straight away he said, you don't cross a ball like that. He's meant that. And I, I was a bit sceptical, I must admit. I was thinking, yeah, it's Jack Colbert, though. I mean, as he tried to just, you know, fizz in a, you know, a, a telling cross, you know, one of those where you just fly it in and hope that someone gets something on it. But, yeah, as soon as I'd see one camera angle at half-time, I was like, he's meant that. You, you just don't strike a ball like that, any sort of cross, whether it's a... um even if it is just one of those kind of hit and hope crosses, you don't, you don't, the technique's not like that. Um, I think he, he knows it's nearly half time and he's just put his laces through it. Um, yeah, just now I've seen it back, I, I do think he meant it. I think if it doesn't win goal of the season, it'll be an absolute travesty. As we go into the final week of the season, Nottingham Forest automatic promotion chances are still alive and kicking. It's been one hell of a week. On Tuesday, Forest went to Craven Cottage at Champions Elect Fulham and won 1-0. And they backed it up with a thumping 5-1 victory against Swansea City at the City Ground on Saturday. With two games to go, it's all to play for. And we are in uncharted waters. Uh, we'll start with the zinc goal. So, as and obviously, Steve Cooper got a pre-assist. Yeah, Steve Cooper's quick thinking to give Jack Colback the ball thrown. Surridge with a great ball. And that goal kind of typifies... Philip Zincanago this season, pressing, never gives up. And I don't know how he got his toe to it, but for bloody hell, fair, fair enough. I mean, we, we got right at Fulham from the front from the front on him straight away. Tim Ream looked like he was trying of shit was going down the back of his shorts every time he got on the ball. I mean, we closed down to really, really well as a unit. And I think Marco Silva had complaints. I'm not sure whether he had complaints about Surridge is the initial challenge for the ball to go out for a throw in or what, but I'd be more fuming that Tim Reams not put that into Rose Ed, to be fair, or Matt Rodak hasn't come out and cleared out so, uh, Ream and Zinconago in the process sort of thing to claim the ball. It's, it's poor from Fulham, really, who have been one of the... Uh, not only a standout going forward, but defensively, no one's really breached them too many times. We'll get on to the magic moment now, Reese. Uh, so, sorry, it's your second goal. Obviously, in terms of, like, picture-perfect postage stamp placement, I don't think Sturridge could have placed that ball any better if he tried. Just no. Didn't from sat behind it. The telly doesn't do it justice because when he hit it, it looked like it was going absolutely nowhere near it, and then it's just gone straight into the top corner. And I, 
wasn't even like I was just like wow. I just couldn't but I just couldn't I just generally couldn't believe it. It curled that in into the top corner. I mean the technique on that was that was a that was a world class finish. You know, people might say I'm going over the top with that, but that was it was generally sublime that finish to whip it like I mean Garner put it on a plate for him with a pace of the ball as well. But to whip it like that straight into the top, I mean it was right in the top corner. That was that was sensational. It really, it really was. The player showed mentality and drive. And then after that, the city ground became a fortress. Since then, we've gone 10 games unbeaten in the league, taking 28 points. And really, the only team we've beaten us at home in that time is Liverpool, which is, when you put it like that, bloody hell. Oh, sorry, on top of that, Pete says, is that right? He scored 29 goals at home in 10 games and conceded only five. Goodness me. That's unbelievable. I'm just, I'm just hoping if we do miss out on the autos, that that doesn't slip into us. That what a massive disappointment. Now we've got to pick ourselves up again. I don't think he will know that. Though. No, I don't. I don't yeah. think he will. No. Hello, welcome to Pod Twenty Three of Red Side of the Trent. And while we would love to have been sat here now talking to you about how Forest gained automatic promotion, it was sadly not to be. Forest lost 1-0 away at Bournemouth in midweek, which took seconds mathematically out of their grasp, and then followed that up with a one-all draw away at Hull. The turning point for us, really, uh, Lee, came just before half-time when... I'll look at my notes now. I, I literally cannot repeat what I said about the officials because we shut down as a podcast. I genuinely can't. It's like every week it feels like, every podcast, like I'm coming on and saying, like, the officials weren't good enough. The officials weren't good enough. I mean, in this instance, though, and obviously, hence why Marinakis is also complains, there is a strong argument that linesman has potentially cost for us automatic promotion. Yeah, it's shocking. There's no other word for it. It's absolutely shocking. It's difficult. I, don't, I, I can't even be asked to go into it all again. It's just a couple of points from me on it. I just think the championship set of officials must have a... Well, they do have an order of merit, and I don't really understand why as officials, you'd be top of that list and they'll know that they're top. And you see a fixture like that in the last week of the season and you think, that's mine. That's my game. I will be doing that game. As a reward for my season, I will be doing that game. But instead, we end up with VAR-trained monkeys, if you like, who haven't been used to pressurise situations all season when it comes to actually making a big call. If they make a mistake on the Premier League, it gets checked and it gets looked at and we get rulers out and we get lines out and we bore supporters to tears by looking at every possible angle to get it right. I mean, it's not even close. Do you know if it's close, if it's offside and it's difficult, you, you kind of give him some, cut him some slack. But, I mean, it's just not even... I think there's two of the three players playing him on. It's not even anywhere close. And... Um, the one little bit of credit I will kind of give out, well, I think Atwell's getting a bit of abuse because obviously um, he's the one that's come out and apologised. Stuart Atwell and his team won't care. As we speak, they're, they're about to take charge of Newcastle and Man City. Um, that, that, I know that sounds a bit strong that they won't care. No referee wants to do a game and, and make mistakes and make fuck-ups, but ultimately he won't give a toss. He'll be As soon as that game finished, he might have looked at a few bits, he might have got some development points. But that's not his bag anymore. He doesn't work on the Championship. He works on the Premier League. Uh, anyway, Reese, uh, I suppose obviously your match dream that comes and ends on to game week 45. But to get to game week 45, I suppose, after the start we had, after everything else was... If you told me after we'd lost 
embarrassingly lost as well to Middlesbrough at home. That game was fucking awful. Like that that Warnock Borough as well was poor. Like if, if you told me after that game, oh yeah, by the way, um, come last week of May in the season, you know, Forest will be in, in your automatic hunt still. I'd be like, are you taking the piss? Like what sort of drugs do you want to even suggest that would be a remote possibility? So, I mean, we do deserve credit for that, I think. And, you know, it is a very valiant and brave effort really to take it that far deep into the season. To, to be in all honesty, I think we've been spoiled really because there was periods during this podcast this season we was unsure whether we'd even get in the playoffs and we've absolutely breezed into the playoffs. You know, there was points where people thought Borough and Sheffield United were nailed on. I know Sheffield United have got in in the end, but it went to the last day and, and I think Borough finished is it five points off in the end. So. You know, and there was a few of us who wanted Chris Wilder over Steve Cooper. So <laughs> it's one of them. And it's like I said, it like you just said, Christian. If, if someone would have offered us playoffs when Cooper come in, you'd have, you'd have snatched the hand off. But now, obviously, we've lost that game to Bournemouth, and you know, yesterday with our it ended yesterday. It's kind of just put a bit of a dampener on things. It's going to be a tight game with them mm. um, the two games in the league sum that up but two one ones I know we were felt hard done by at Sheffield United because we were played really well but it's going to be interesting and to, to even get in the, to get in the playoffs has been an incredible achievement but once you're in them you want to win them you know it is no it's not an achievement like Derby fans used to make out of if you get in the playoffs it's a good achievement I want to you know, I want to get to Wembley. I don't just want a day out. I want to go to Wembley and win and get promoted. For me, you're going to get simple answers. Same score, both games, 1-1. 1-1 at their place, 1-1 at ours. And Forrest win on penalties. That's <laughs> what I'm going to go for. Yesterday was the first leg of the playoffs uh, against Sheffield United at Bramall Lane. And along with two mighty Steve Hodges yeses following his probably massive yes of selling his Maradona shirt earlier in the in the week. Uh, Forrest ramped to a 2-1 victory over the old foe Sheffield United. I just want to touch on uh, what I think is absolutely <coughs> hilarious. The club obviously released the statement about pyrotechnics after Brennan Johnson's picked up a flare last week, up last week. And Steve Cook has picked the flare up and used it as a cigar. And then had to come and apologise straight after the game, which is absolutely <laughs> quality. Um, what do you make of that? <laughs> um, them statements, that's... And then you've got to go, as disappointed that was, you can see you've got to go back to hindsight. And if someone would have said you won 2-1 at Bramall Lane yesterday, you'd have... God, um, you'd, you'd have snapped... Away, yeah, yeah, you'd, yeah. Snap, you'd be snapping hands off that result. So... And end of the day, now nah, it goes on to it's half time. We're two on up, we're at home. You know, it's as Michael Jordan said, now nah, is the money time because it's <laughs> it, this this is the biggest game in the club's history for a long time, Tuesday night. Massive, yeah. massive, massive game. And the you know, the I'm sure they will do. Um, I'm sure Fours will do um, a display of some kind. The fans have got to get behind them, stay with them, you know, and get us over a line to Wembley. Um and then um, obviously we'll know who, if we do get there, we'll face before. And yeah, um, two cup finals away from what we've strived as a club for a long, long time. On Tuesday, Christian, as well, like, uh, do, you, do you change your prediction from 
the original pod for this for this fixture. It's weird. So I think what's it? So my heart was saying that we could win two or three nil at the city grounds and we draw one all at home uh, at Bramwell Lane. Sorry, and it's almost like that's flipped on its head because we easily could have won two or three nil yesterday and didn't. I don't know. I mean, it's it's it'd be the most forest thing in the world. It's like. Like even my mates, um, some of my mates were piping up my group chat yesterday going, oh, that's it, 2-0. You know, I was like, fucking Yeovil were 2-0 down in the first leg and came through. Like, we're so scarred and damaged from years gone by that it's very difficult to sort of, like, you know, try and get too carried away or excited, really. Because, I mean, most teams, like, you'd think, oh, we're 2-1 up. Like, you know, it's a classic case of jobs not finished, but they'd be like, oh, shit, shit. And us is just like, oh, Christ, like we're expecting the worst to happen already. We are here, obviously, celebrating Forest reaching Wembley for the first time in 30 years with a chance to get back to the promised land for the first time in 23 years after beating Sheffield United uh, on penalties after a 3-3 draw on aggregate on Tuesday night at the city ground. Unbelievable scenes, obviously. Um, maybe took the shine off by... by- I think we all unanimously agreed that if it went like it did on Saturday, Forest would win again. But it was typical Nottingham Forest, wasn't it? Like Lee says, is the easy way, the hard way, and the Forest way. Last point before we head into the penalties, I want to bring you all in. Um, the Samba save against Illiman and Die in extra time. I think that is a bigger save than any of the penalty saves, in my opinion, because it's so. It's it's a snapshot. It's it's right in in like it's so clock's proximity. Samba gets a stud on the ball. I think I didn't even know he saved it until I seen the the replay. I I just thought someone had blocked it. But looking back on it, that has got to be probably his, his best save of the season. Yeah, I know it, it does seem like we see a different game sometimes in the trend end, doesn't it? Um, I was the same. I actually thought he put just scuffed it wide. Um, it wasn't until. Uh, WhatsApp started pinging in my pocket, and it was uh, the group with the lads in who are all Mansfield fans waiting for the game the day after. But they were watching the Forest game, and they said, "How on earth has he saved that?" Um, I think one of my mates actually said he thought it was the best save he's ever seen. I, I think that was a bit extreme, but um, he doesn't get out much blessing. I mean, it it sums up a former manager's quote, "Don't in football fine margins," because <laughs> you know, lightly like, like just had. I, I I don't know about you guys, but when Sheffield got that second, I fully expect them to go on and win the tie normal time. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, and I know this is an extra time now, but honestly, um, just unbelievable reaction. It's just just crazy, just a crazy moment. And that li- that stud is literally the difference. I know obviously penalties have happened, but that stud is literally the difference of us, you know, now doing this podcast, sulking. Than us being excited and planning trips to Wembley. Going to get into some predictions, Christian. Start with you first. Um, I'm again. I like we said before. I'm not going to come on this pod now at this stage of season and try and be pessimistic. I think I agree. If Reese is going to be ahead of the battle, I think it's going to be a very ugly game. I'm hoping it won't be like the Sheffield United game, which was more nasty needle than tactical, like imbalance. If you like, in sense of like you know. They're going into a box. Forest trying to break them down. They trying to counter, like I said, the sponge thing. See a lot of that. Or they be very cagey, a very sort of like, you know, almost like an awkward chess match, sort of like who's going to do what, as most finals are, really. It's very rare you get like a, a goal fest in the final. Um, obviously, we'd all like to say Forest going to win 5-0, but I don't think it's going to be happening. Um, I am going to say we're going to win 
one nil. It's just how we handle, like 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 Lee said about the first twenty minutes and and the occasion. And I know I've not come onto this during the the, the normal uh, section of the podcast, but I want to talk about us as the supporters. I thought on Tuesday, I've never seen a ground all four stands stand up. I mean, it's not it's not the best song in, in my opinion. The the forest of magic on and off the pitch, but bloody hell. I've never been a part of something like that in my life. It was it was amazing. It was almost quite emotional. We're, we're losing two one. The team is struggling so so much, but all four stands just realise how much they needed us, and I think they're going to need us just as much in this final. Huddersfield are going to be, come with it. They're going to bring the drum. Um, it's just it's just how it's going to be. And we've just got to completely nullify us. We want to come. We want to come back as a Premier League podcast. That's what uh, we want. Hello and welcome to Pod Twenty Eight of Red Side Le Trent, which is a podcast where we cover extensively Premier League Nottingham Forests. As following yesterday's victory at Wembley Stadium, a one 0 win over Huddersfield Town after twenty three painful years. Forest are back in the top flight and dining at that table once more. Seeing that many people just bouncing up and down and just enjoying themselves. And I think if you'd have said you're not going to be allowed in a football stadium for, what was it, the best part of 18 months, but when you come back, your season's going to finish like that, you'd probably take that 18 months of not watching your team play. Mm. Um, it's it's just been the absolute perfect season for me. Um, I've, I've always listened to fans kind of say, oh, if you're going to go up, you want to go up through the playoffs. And I've always thought, why? They're emotional. It's emotional torture, but having now experienced it, that there is really is no better way to go up. I saw the best tweet today, which was something like Derby and Forest have been trying to get out of the league for fifteen seasons and both do it in different <laughs> ways. And I was like, shit, yeah, Derby got relegated. That was quite funny as well, wasn't it? Like yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Forest bingo on Sky is going to be absolutely <laughs> terrible for someone. They're going to mention yeah. European cups every two minutes. Yeah. They're going to call us Notts Forest. And they're going to be like, they're going to just reminisce about this story about, oh, we come from the bottom of the league and now they got promoted. That's what they're going to I, go on about. I enjoyed the tweet um, from the Man City fan yesterday. Of yes. Like, you know, when I was going to say that. When Hank has his attack in the lift in Breaking Bad, for those who watched it, and on about us singing <laughs> European Cup, you would never sing that to him. So we'll start with the Player of the Season Awards. I've got McKenna for... Uh, my first one, I just think he's been solid all season. Number one, no hesitation, is Scott McKenna. Probably the only player, I think, under Chris Hewton who probably would have took some credit. Mm. He's been an absolute rock all season. I just felt like Reese has just said Scott McKenna's just... You can count on a couple of fingers how many bad games he's had. Super Scott McKenna at, at number one. Mm. What a bloke. Um, we'll get in the Scottish national side now and Scotland... Uh, Celtic and uh, Rangers fans can eat his dust. And number one is Scott McKenna. Clean sweep. Goal of the season time. I think Surridge's against Swansea has edged it. Ooh. Oh, the, the yeah. third one. Yes. The, yeah. yeah. The curler. The curler. The curler. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think Reese said it on a previous pod from where we were stood. You yeah. didn't think it was going in. Mm. And then you watch it back and his technique, everything about it. That's it for me. I've gone for Colback against West Brom. You know, is, is it is it a fluke? Was it this? Was it that? Who cares? It's just it was just crazy, wasn't it? Well, I've actually gone for Spencer's goal uh, against QPR purely because I think we were losing at that point and we didn't really look like scoring. And I think if QPR had beat us that night, they'd have gone about six or seven points in front of us. So again, 
you should really pick a goal of the season just on how good the goal is. But I think taking everything into context, that's why I've gone for Spence against QPR. But I'm going to agree with Lee, Jed Spence against QPR. It was just such a vital moment in the season. Um, and then we just went and absolutely walloped him after that. It just kind of woke us up and went, these aren't very good. <laughs> um, let's take him to the cleaners. And, and yeah, cracking finish. I mean, for a right back to do that is absolutely outrageous. And I've gone for Colback because I just think that you know, that's, again, like, it's just unbelievable. I, I fully believe he's meant that. I, I honestly believe the way his body shape, the way he's gone, to, the way it's come across his foot, I think he's meant that. Emma, as you're an independent, independent adjudicator mm-hmm. here, what is your, is you, you, you've got your choice of goal then. So, Colback against West Brom or Spence against QPR? Spence against QPR was my other choice, so I'm going to give the final verdict and say that's then the Spence one. Spence against QPR is like all the season. Finding of the season. I'd probably say Cook because my permanent one. My loan would be Spence. Permanent. I just think Steve Cook. My loan signing. I'm going to go for Garner because I just think as well with Garner being such an amazing player, he, he has brought the best out in Ryan Yates. Uh, permanent Steve Cook. My loan one's actually quite controversial. Um, but I'm going for Zinconagel. Purely because he works his bollocks off, which I think often slips under the radar. I think in that role he plays as a number 10. We have had number 10s in the past who have kind of only really been interested when we're going forward, whereas Zinconago does do a lot of running that he probably doesn't have to. And despite that, he's still got seven goals and 10 assists this season. So just for the sake of being a little bit different, because I anticipated you lot would either go for Garner or Spence. I'm going to go for Zinconago. I'm actually going to go a bit against the grain and I'm going to say Sam Surridge. I mean, grab and don't get injured. We don't sign him. He comes in last minute and he scored, was it nine goals? Um, he's a great finisher. He seems like a top lad. He, I mean, the story I read in the Athletic where he almost gave up football is phenomenal. Loan signing. I anticipated you all saying I have a Spence or Garner, so I've gone for the absolute man mountain, Keenan Davis. Um, the bloke tried to get naked earlier today in the market square <laughs> as we record this. Uh, so mine, I, my permanent signing of the season, I've also gone for Sam Surridge because for similar reasons, my loan signing was Jed Spence, just because, but by virtue of elimination. So it looks like Cook has got our permanent signing of the season and Spence is our temporary light signing of the season. Anyway, on something a bit more... Uh, jovial funniest moment of the season but I'm gonna go with Spencer's tweet from yesterday okay yeah anyone that has a dig at Neil Warnock is a friend of mine anyone that says anything bad about him is a friend of mine so it was just a great bit of banter to round off the day and to be fair to Warnock he took it quite well you know he could have bit mine um, I'd be surprised any of you got it is after we drew 1-1 at Derby Ravel Morrison saying that their whole team was better than all of our players. <laughs> and then subsequently getting sent off in the return game after coming on to try and save the game for them. Um, I've got... There's two really funny moments from yesterday, I thought. I don't know if this is called I review, but on the pitch at the end, I can't believe how many players channelled the inner John Terry, John Terry with full kits on. <laughs> yeah. I, I know he's grabbing in full kit, yeah. Grabbing, Jordan Smith practically had his gloves on, I think. It's like he's going for a kickabout. <laughs> And it's like, come on. I mean, yeah, we're a club tracksuit or something, but actually stick the full kit on with names and numbers on the back. I mean, it just it just really tickled me. It probably shouldn't have done. Probably might have simple mind, to be honest. But And then another one in the dressing room afterwards, Jed Spence is in charge of the music and he puts on Alice DJ, Better Off Alone. Again, it tickled me because I had a look when that song was number one. 
1999, Jed Spence was one. Um, <laughs> again, just really tickled me. Uh, but I've actually gone for Chris Uton, um earlier this season, bemoaning that the squad wasn't good enough um, and that he needed better players. Actually, uh, this game today, sarcastic Forest admin reveal that he's John Moss. That was quality. I've never laughed so much in my life. <laughs> so good. I think my funniest moment of the season is when Upper Bridgefords decided to print off a load of fake £5 notes against Derby and make it rain down above them. And we were all with someone about Mel Morris's face on it. It was the funniest thing. Like, in terms of hatred, I don't think anything could sum up how we feel about that club anymore. Their dire time of needs. Forest fans print off fake money and throw it at them. Um, this one's to be pretty straightforward. I think most improved player. Yates, it's got to be. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I've been the first one to shout over the last few years, you know, for a PG, God's sake, you know, God's sake, Yates, Yates this, Yates that. Um, I'd have happily got rid of him, like you said, Christian, earlier. But I don't know what what Cooper's done to him, but I just think he's slotted in really well. He, you know, he's got the freedom. He's played five yards further forward. I just think most improved by country mile. Yeah, I've, I mean, it's the same for me. And I, quite, I feel a little bit bad now at times that I have um, given him a bit of stick at times. Because like Emma just said, you know, with a good coach, he's proved that he's capable. How I describe Yates now is he is a tiny bit less robust Samba Sal, but he can score as well. Mm. And like and like that combination we had under Lamucci, Watson and Sal complemented each other so well. We've now got that with Garner and Yates, but especially with Garner, you've got a better quality of passer the ball. And you know he's proved he's proved us wrong. He's proved a lot of people wrong. And you know what? I'm absolutely delighted. Yeah, um, echo what Lisa just said. Um, it's got to be Yates. I think over the course of the season, um, he's been vastly improved. And again, I echo what Lisa just said about him and being a nice lad and that. And I've always said I wish they all cared about Forrest as much as Ryan Yates. Mm. This was really difficult because. The, the, the obvious one is Ryan Yates. We, I mean, we've slagged him off to the hills. I'm not going to beat around the bush about it. That's what we've done. I don't want to say Ryan Yates because I think everyone said it. I'm going to say Brendan Johnson. Yeah, he come from loan, loan to League One. We, we Hewton's telling us that he's not good enough. The blokes had nearly a thirty goal in, involvements this season in a in a, in a better league. Uh, twenty most most of the season he's been twenty. He's just turned twenty one. I'm going to give it to him just because I think the championship is such a hard league. You need that talisman and he's been that for us this season, especially when you we lose grabbing for the majority of it. Surridge and Davis have come in halfway through. Um, I just I, I think I'm going to give it to him. I think he deserves it. I mean, I can't I disagree with that to be fair with Johnson. I mean, I've, I've, I have gone for Yates because I think it's, you know, the transformation is ridiculous, but you're right. I mean, like I said to you on this pop before, like I don't take if he's my always rule with players is you half their numbers they come up from the league below. So for Johnson to match or exceed them in some cases is just unheard of. So yeah, that's a very fair shout. And um, but yeah, Ryan is my pick, and so obviously by four to one, he's our most improved player. Uh, unsung hero, callback for me. I think you know all spells he's had with us. I think he's been an absolute brick wall. Um, he's played left back for certainly the second half of the season. Mm. Um, you know, he didn't have to, he's been called upon. He's always been there. And he saved me from a lot of earache at QPR away when uh, Reese made the treacherous journey down and 
he scored in the last minute so he's got to be my own superior definitely <laughs> yeah if if I'm going play-wise it, it would have to be Colbert but I've I've gone for a wild card choice and my unsung hero of the season is the absolute legend that is Steve Hodge for the, <laughs> just for the commentary what he provides and the the belting out of the yes, you know, yesterday's was just, you know, you feel you feel like he's at his peak, and then he just comes up with another one. I literally think his head went through Wembley roof yesterday with the so one. It needs someone to do a montage of all of them. <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, you, you know, you know what? That's for like the whole team at Radio Nottingham because, it, you know, obviously Chipper's left in to, but they provide brilliant coverage on, you know. And I can work into the BBC here. Um, but, you know, we're very sport with the coverage they give us and you know, actually like attention to detail they give us with Forrest, you know, and Colin, you know, that picture of Colin Frey looking at Steve Coopy today, like, you know, like he was just like he's the sexiest woman alive. It's, um, yeah, brilliant. But oh, if we're going player, definitely callback, you know, playing half a season at left back when he's a centre mid and not put a foot wrong for us. Brilliant. Um, I toyed with Colback. Um, I was a bit gutted I couldn't get him in my top five for player of the season, to be fair. But I've gone for Samba. Um, okay. I just think, again, since Cooper come in, I think it was after he got sent off at Stoke, against Stoke, actually. He had, I think he had seven games out of the team. And to be fair, since he's come back in, I don't think he's put a foot wrong. Um, and obviously, because of the, the Sheffield United heroics, I, I just went with Samba. I think... I'd love to put Colback. I'm going to actually put the hype man that is Cafu. I just think a player that is very bit part, but still is giving his all for the team in terms of support and and everything else is, is brilliant. I mean, I'd hate to be someone that's just sitting on the bench picking up a wage. Mm. Uh, and for someone like him, who's... He is a good player on his day. I think I think he's quite a technical, technically good player, and he's done well for us when he's had to be called upon. Took a penalty against Sheffield, which is which is brave. Um, I just think he's been brilliant. He loved it yesterday, didn't he? He was he was great. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I give it Cafu. Um, yeah, I mean my choice is I have also gone for Cafu as mine. I think. Um... Like you said, it must be horrible being a sub, but you, you wouldn't have felt he'd been a sub the whole time. Like, you know, like these, you see, like when we scored away at Sheffield United, uh, when Johnson scored, he was on the bloody pitch celebrating with the players. Like, you know, he's just like, he's, he's, he just gets it. Like, it, like I said before, a bit like Moosey, where the club just got under his skin and he just got properly invested. Like, Cafu's exactly the same. It's really like, you know, he presses well when he comes on. You know, he's got a, a still neat touch here and there. He's quite strong on the ball. I mean, he's not like, He's not like a banner act or anything like that. He's actually a useful player when he plays. But like, yeah, I think he's just so patient, always team first. And I think you know, players like that will always go along the lines. I've also gone for um as a wildcard pick, I've gone for uh Richie Sumter, the club photographer, because you know, every single game we just get banging photos basically. And I'm pretty sure he's in charge of alternate angle as well. So hopefully now a Premier League club will get alternate angle and bench cam back, we can hope. But no, the pictures are perfect. So it's the way I come out. So those are my two picks. Um, we've got another split. So Colback or Cafu. Uh, Lee, I'll let you pick this one because obviously Emma's picked Colback. <laughs> so <laughs> who do you come for? I think on the basis that I was going to include him ahead of Samba, I'll have to go Colback. Ah, Colback it is. Hype man has to wait for another day. <laughs> anyway, it's now on to the big one. Moment of the season. And I've given you five for these. Um. Number one, I think we'll probably all go with the same, but yesterday, yeah. um, that feeling at full time yesterday when that whistle went and realising that 
we're there and we've made it. We're a Premier League club. Was it would take a lot to be topped. Number one, you know, will, I'm sure it'll be all the same. Just when John Watt Moss put that whistle to his mouth yesterday and blew it, and obviously, you know, in the Premier League for the first time in century, it would just. You know, that that's the moment we've been waiting for all season. It's actually a reality rather than a fantasy. Obviously, yesterday, just John Moss will etch his name into Forest folklore for blowing that full-time whistle when he did. Um, <laughs> bigging a ref up again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, it was just amazing, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, it, it's got to be that. I, I'd be amazed if any of you two don't say that as, as the best moment of the season. Now, and then number one is a, a joint one of the final whistle, but... Colin Frey and, and Hodges uh, comes on it is is magnificent. Mm. It's pure elation. So I'm, I'm going for that. Uh, and then, of course, number one, the full-time whistle at Wembley because it meant that Nottingham Forest are Premier League side again. So that is our that was our moment of the season. So a quick rundown for you. Player of the season. For, thank you all for listening, guys. We'll obviously keep you updated as and when we're coming back I'm sure we've got a lot to talk about with you know transfers and that sort of stuff and obviously pre-season friendlies as and when they arise but just remember Nottingham Forest are a Premier League club and as the Falls of Garibaldi banner said we have conquered and we will conquer still on to next year onto the top flight you Reds and then of course number one the full-time whistle at Wembley because it meant that Nottingham Forest are a Premier League side again so that is our that was our moment of the season so a quick rundown for you player of the season for Red Side of Trent, Scott McKenna, goalless season has gone for Jed Spence against QPR. Signing this season permanent, Steve Cook. Signing this season loan, Jed Spence. Most improved player, Ryan Yates. Unsung hero, Jack Colback. And moment of the season, Wembley. So, yeah, that is it. Thank you all for listening, guys. We'll obviously keep you updated as and when we're coming back. I'm sure we've got a lot to talk about with you know transfers and that sort of stuff. And obviously, pre season friendlies as and when they arise. But just remember, Nottingham Forest are a Premier League club. And as the Falls of Garibaldi banner said, we have conquered and we will conquer still. On to next year, on to the top flight, you Reds. Take care, guys. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.